the Lord. I can feel the presence of God in this place today. Let there be a worship for God. Let there be a praise. Let there be a clapping of hands. Let there be a heart that's delighted to come into the house of God and give him praise. He is worthy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God today? He's worthy of all praise and of all glory. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for being in our midst here today. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. We sit here today and we give God praise. We raise our voices in our hands and let us declare that Jesus is Lord. And if he's Lord, that we have nothing to worry about if he's our Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. He deserves praise. Whether it be here, whether it be elsewhere, let it be song and praise and dance. Amen. Let me just say that don't let your moment of praise for God pass you by here today. Not this morning, not tomorrow. Don't let it. Let it be today. Now you may say, well, I'll do it next time. Next time comes and it'll be the same thing. Don't let it be the same thing. We can't afford it. If God comes back today and I didn't give him my praise because he was worthy of it and I knew it, I can't afford to find out what's going to happen to me if I don't give him praise. Praise the Lord. Listen, I know this because I've been there. I was in the rut. I saw the things that, that were taking place when I was not in it. So neither I. So when I come to a place of worship, I either kneel down or I bow down. I give thanks to the Lord during prayer. And I start to walk around, I start to declare who my God is. Mighty is God. Mighty is the Lord Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. It is by his spirit. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the bright and morning star. He is the lily in the valley. He is the rock and my fortress. He is my salvation. Great is he that is in you, us, than he who is of the world. Amen. Praise God. If you turn your Bibles... We're going to go to Scripture, Psalm 150, verse 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. And the Scriptures say, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Uh, yes. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise God. As we go into prayer, if you'd bow your heads and join me. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We pray, Lord. Lord, that your word comes forth, that we learn more through the Holy Ghost with understanding. We love learning from your thoughts through your word as you continue to teach us to live according to your desires, Lord. Help us, Lord, and guide us, Lord. Open our understanding, Lord. Let us feel it at heart. In your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Praise the Lord. If you'd clap your hands unto the Lord as we begin to divide, dive into the word with praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. You may be seated. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, musicians. And thank you for those who've kept us in prayer. 
I'll tell you what, sometimes we go through things that we don't realize how tough it's going to be until you get to the other end. And you are so grateful for the grace and mercy of God. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise ye. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I found it interesting that this song, it began and it ended with this same scripture. And I'm talking about the entire psalm. I believe the psalmist wanted to put something in our thoughts or in our minds that it may sink into us. Kind of a, a form of direction or instruction. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1, Be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. Why? Because following God shows our praise towards him and gives him glory. Paul was someone who, who gave God praise aside from all that he did in weakness. His life was for God. It wasn't, it, if, if it wasn't, I don't believe we would be reading about him in the scriptures as, as an encouraging individual to fight the good fight and to endure towards the end. So today I'm just going to talk a little bit more first. I'm going to begin with the instruments. We know that praise towards God is, is referred to in between verse 3 and of course also 5 because it's towards the end but towards the towards and, and within there we understand that the instruments uh, are played to give God praise and honor and worship and that we know that it not only does it happen in the house of God but they also do it elsewhere where they play the instruments for another purpose which is not to the glory of God but here in this place it's to his worship and to his praise now the instruments, it's, uh, it's, again, it's a given uh, if you play an instrument that you have the talent to keep, keep playing something that God is putting in your heart, whether it be a song, of a, a hymn song, or whether it be something that you either have put together and God has just given that to you through the Spirit. But the instruments, we can hold on. We play with our hands. Some of us dance. Some of us worship. But the instruments are a little bit different. The instruments, again, are a design to make a tone, a, a sound to bring forth. And that sound brings praise to God. More importantly, when we, pray, when we play it for the Lord. So as we move on, and I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna come, come back to this. Because pr the praise that I'm really going to be referencing, I'm, and I'm moving, is not, not saying that instruments don't matter. But I want to put this to the side because we all know that we, when we worship God and we praise God, there are instruments that are going to be played. What is one of the most frequent questions that people usually ask when it comes to, well, what, what is praise or how, what, what is this thing that we call praise in the house of God? And it says, and it goes like this, mostly unbelievers will ask at times, what, why praise God now? Why? What is praise and as for believers, some think praise is uh, singing and playing of instruments, as I said earlier, along with dancing for the Lord. The answer to the question and thought is more complicated than most of us think. And when I say this, it is to kind of pique your interest as to what do people think and what does God think. The Bible says in John 4, 23, verse uh, 23 to 24, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God does not demand praise and worship from believers. Instead, God knows this will come forth 
because it is a natural thing to happen to those who walk the Spirit, meaning the Holy Ghost, and not after the flesh. True believers who know the truth, this is for true believers who know the truth and reject it not. Praise for the Lord begins with a rejection, uh, or I should say repentance of the things of the world and giving reverence to God. The Lord goes about and seeks those that are in the right thought and state of mind according to the Spirit. And verse 24 says this, God is a spirit, and they that worship must spirit and in truth. There's not a separation from either one. They, they work together. Psalm 51, 16 through 17, for, those, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Now we know this is David. David is proclaiming something. And he says, thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The, the, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou will not despise. Now verse 16, the scripture is referring to, we know the animal sacrifices, the burnt offerings performed to the tabernacle, you know, in the times of the tabernacle. Uh, and in those times they offered them, it, when, he, when this was uh, speaking of it, it was, it was, in a sense, sometimes they were sacrificing them and giving them in vain. Because there was really no true repentance. It was just, I'm going to bring it because I can. So the scripture, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are God's desires from man are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Because in any of the verse, the psalmist says, O God, thou will not despise. So our hearts have to be broken. They have to be, and again, in a contrite form. And he's talking about humility. In humility, people are submitted to the will of God, which is where the Lord uh, can begin to counsel someone. But then humility is, but if humility is not present, something else is. Pride, unrighteousness, arrogance, and the list of others I will save our ears from hearing for the for this time, for this you know, sake of time. For us who are professing to be followers of God. Is praise just what we think it is, or is it more, but we just don't really care to know more about it? Or when we hear its description, to uh, do we disagree because it's not to our liking? And for non-believers, is praise necessary? Absolutely. I've always thought that obedience is key, and the truth is that it's in part. It is in part. We do need to obey God. What I have now learned is that obedience does not propel you to desire. But instead, desire propels you towards obedience. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to explain that a little bit more. I'm not saying that we should disobey God. But we, uh, what, what, I say, what I'm saying is that the desire to hear God will, uh, you, I'm sorry, if you desire to hear God, you will desire not to disobey him. The idea or thought motivates desires. In other words, our thoughts are going to motivate us to do what we want to do. However, that doesn't mean that it's going to be fulfilled unless we act upon it. Where did the thought originate from? What, what it is about depends on the one having the thought. Desire ignites when you see, smell, taste, or even see something that you like. Then it becomes a want. And in most cases, you work to get, to get it, as such are a new car, a wallet, a purse for the ladies. A new bike, whatever it might be that motivates you. All these desires, ideas, thought, and cause desire. To get it, you must work for it. Now, these are all worldly desires, but 
not all that bad because we need cars to drive, wallets and purses to put our money in, and things of, and also things of value and so forth. They are purposeful. Now, how can you desire something if you know nothing about? That would be the next thought in mind here. In order for someone to obtain what they desire, they must act upon their thoughts to know more about it. I said that earlier. With that said, not all thoughts are good. Some should be left alone. An example to rob a bank is not a good thought when someone is in need of money, right? No, no robbing banks here. I just hope we're no, there's no bank robbers here. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the mere thought does not accomplish, uh, again, I said fulfill the desire, unless there is a will applied. And this is where it all comes into play. Someone who willfully applies themselves to whatever the case is would cause a development of understanding and gain knowledge of an idea or thought to satisfy that desire. Praise the Lord. As I said earlier, God does not demand praise and worship from believers. God desires our praise, and it is not to be confused with God needs our praise. God needs nothing from us as necessity. However, for God to work in our lives, we need to meet God halfway. God re uh, requires certain responses from us in order to give him a way into our hearts. Therefore, God does not force himself on us while we have, because he has given us free will. And again, he has freely given it to us. So we must respond through desire, uh, a desire of his presence and for his help. And going into the word praise, I didn't really go into a definition of it. And I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a breakdown. Strong's definition, it, it brings it as a verb. In other words, there's an action, a primitive word to be clear or well noticed, originally sound. And well noticed meaning to be, you know, of course, it could be either of color or of sound or even of shine. So if I shout, someone's going to notice me. It's a type of praise. They're going to realize there. If I have something that glimmers, that glimmer, or I said that shine gives praise to whatever it is. If I'm wearing a bright purple suit, then it's going to give praise to the suit because it's going to bring it out. It gives it boast. It kind of boasts. There's not so much as to the other word, rave, casually to celebrate, also to stultify. I'm sorry, stultify. This word here, rave, is a little bit different to the understanding uh, of the times of now and then. So I had to look that up. It's not necessarily referring to the rave that we now know as people going into dance parties and getting crazy and doing all this. This type of rave was a little bit different. It was more of a gathering together because they were excited to see what was going to happen. Uh, an example would be when Jesus was, uh, the Bible says he was, I think it's in two separate occasions, he was thronged by the people. The people were excited to be there. They were moved to be in that place. So in that sense, uh, it brought forth two types of praise. It brought praise to Jesus because people knew, actually from two different sects, I should say, from the people that were there and also the Pharisees. So again, some were good and some were bad. But again, he moves on. So the uh, easier way to understand is usually to bring praise, honor, awareness. Again, instruments can be played. People can shout out. Movements of dancing, clapping your hands. Uh, the loud brings awareness to either something or someone. The Bible commentaries, Clark's uh, commentary, the translated word in Hebrew for praise is hallel. And we know this. Some of us, I should say, know this, which is where we get the word hallelujah. And so I find this, I found this particular, uh, and again, psalm interesting. We find in many places the compound word hallelujah, praise ye Jehovah, or Yah, meaning Yahweh. 
Now, whether it be in only in Psalms, I don't know. But in the first, uh, but in this particular scripture, this place, we also find Hallelujah. And Hallelujah is praise the mighty God, praise the strong God. There's a very specific in this particular piece of scripture that it says, praise God, the Lord, Yahweh, but praise the, in other words, it, it begins with Yahweh, but then it's declaring the mighty God. Or you can go either or, either or. We know him to be the mighty God. Then again, Clark goes to express, praise him who is Jehovah, the infinite, the self-existent being. And praise him who is God, El Elohim, the great God in covenant with mankind to bless and save them unto eternal life. And we know that this describes Jesus Christ. And this is who he's speaking of. And then he says, he who lives forever, he has no beginning. We call him by Jesus again, has no beginning nor end. No one made him, meaning he is infinite and self-existent being. He blesses and saves unto eternal life. And this is where I'm going to probably come in a little bit and just describing what I meant earlier about uh, the beginning as far as a certain scripture. And I'm just going to kind of go into it. But the thought and idea and the desire. So a thought, so we, have, we, can, we can accumulate, we can, I'm sorry, we can have desires, but desires come from something we see, taste, do, whatever it may be. Now, in order for us to get to the point of getting that satisfaction of the desire, we have to act upon it. But if I don't act upon it, I'll never get there. So we have to apply our will. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because God very much did the same thing. When God created the heavens and the earth, before anything existed, even us, there was nothing. It was just him by himself. The angels he created after. But it was still before it was just him by himself. And I couldn't begin to imagine a God that was by himself, which makes perfect sense why God would decide or desire to create. We're so much like our God, but we tend to go off in a different tangent at times. But as God has this thought, not like our thoughts though, God has great and bigger thoughts than we do. Again, he created the heavens and the earth. We can't do that. We can say, I'm going to go to the store and get a, some ice cream. I can, I can, and I can apply myself to that, and I can make that happen, assuming that God, I should say God willing, that God allows it to happen. So here we have God with a thought. But out of that thought, there has to be, again, an intent or a will. Does God desire to create? And if he did, he creates. Here we are. God's desire, God's thought came forth through desire. What did he do? He put forth his will, and then earth came forth. And here we are. Seven days later, as we know, he created the heavens and the earth. And I bring you back to this. When God created, he didn't need anything because he had everything. And so him having everything, it makes us wonder, well, then why does God desire our praise? I'm sorry, why does God need our praise? He doesn't need our praise. He desires our praise. God desires for us to have his desires. Desire the things that are, again, kingdom-minded, kingdom-directed. Psalm 150, again, verse 1, praise you the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now, early I, I talked about the instruments, and but these are the first two scriptures that begin with this psalm. 
He is specifically, specifically speaking to us. Now, whether we dance, clap our hands, praise the Lord, or uh, play the instruments, we still have to act upon that to bring praise to God, but there has to be an, a desire within us. Now, the question is, what causes that desire within us to come forth for God? The desire to desire the will of God. What causes us to move in that direction? What causes us to think in that manner or in that form? At least um, some would find themselves in a place uh, thinking that, well, if, if I can't see God as we know it, there is no, di- it, no desire in them to bring praise or glory to God. I will not lift my voice unto God because he's not there. But I know, I, I'm saying I know that he is. We set the boundaries. We set the boundaries. So where are the boundaries of, of praise for God? And what are my boundaries? Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Did you hear boundaries in that? You are, he says you are. Know ye not that you are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. It dwells in you. And there's a, even though it's in a question, he's made, he, it's, it's, he says, I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear this scripture. Because what follows in verse 17 should shake our ground in a sense as believers. And it reads like this. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. That's scary. For the temple of God is holy. Holy, which temple you are. And I know that this is pertaining to the people who are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. If your praise is not for God, then it is neither for yourself. It's either for yourself or the adversary. If it's not for God, that's who it's for. Verse 18, let no man deceive himself of any man among uh, among you seemeth to be wise in this world. Let him become a fool that he may be wise. If I think I'm wise at any time and I say that, you shoot me back to the scripture, I will obey it. It pertains to me. There's deception in this world. Luke 16, 8, for the children of this world are in this are are in the, their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, I'm not saying that we're, uh, we don't know what we're doing, but I can say that at times we do kind of ignore certain things if we can. We let them pass us by. Paul says again, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 through 19, verse 20, 19 and 20, no, I'm sorry, he says what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, uh, which ye have God, and you are not your own. Accountability, for we are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Baptize in Jesus and be filled with the Holy Ghost, no longer your own. No longer your own. What have we subject our bodies to? What have we seen? What have we heard? What have we said? This temple that has been bought by the blood of Jesus which the Holy Ghost dwells in, is holy. Paul says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. This is no different from the time when the temple was also 
known as the tabernacle, us being the tabernacle, was defiled according to the commandments of the Lord. God was not silent. God stepped forward, and so did the priests at times. Praise comes in many forms from man. Jump in here a little bit. Praise can be seen in, in, in forms of worship towards God. Clark also knows something that, uh, again, that brings attention uh, to those who believe in God. Praise him in the sanctuary. I said that early in the temple. And, and again, I mentioned in here um, in the, uh, the vastness, in whatever place it is dedicated to his service, this would be the church, or in his holiness through his own, his own holy influence in your hearts. I believe he's referring to the praise that can also be uh, for a form of attitude, kindness, uh, but also being grateful. So as to when you say to someone, uh, when you ask them, uh, do you need help? And the person will actually respond, well, yes, thank you. Or perhaps they'll say, well, no, I'm okay. I appreciate your help. It's just a form of speaking of being polite. Again, bringing glory and praise to the living God in a, in a form of godliness but being caring in that, in that same state. The person being recognized, again, is getting attention often, I mentioned, as receiving praise. So I said earlier, praise is usually better known for its actions towards someone or something. Praise can also, at times, bring unwanted attention. I mentioned that earlier with Jesus. I mean, it, I mean, it had to happen anyway. The Lord knew it had to happen. Uh, not that he regretted it, but again, it still brought that attention. When we do it, we should, uh, again, when we do these things and it, as giving God praise, we do it as unto the Lord. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake to bring glory to his name. Now that's in addition to it, but that's really what the scripture means. When you bring glory to God, you give him praise. In Genesis 1-1, uh, again, the Bible begins where God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, that is something praiseworthy unless, of course, you are an unbeliever. Which then brings me to the next question. Who is God? Who is God? God is non-existent. God is not created. He doesn't, again, he doesn't need our worship, but he does desire it. A God who created the heavens and the earth all of a sudden makes man, all of a sudden makes man, and then the creation, and we know this by Scripture, desires not to worship the Creator. Hard points here. It moves me to hear the thoughts of some, again, at times, in explaining uh, their desires to know more about the Lord. I was listening to a, uh, you guys going to find this kind of odd, maybe not, a rabbi. <laughs> and this rabbi was sitting in the... Uh, in the midst of many rabbis and teaching them. And I found it interesting that you have a rabbi teaching rabbis, which makes you would think. But again, you know, they did it back in the synagogue. Why not now? Why not now? And he says, everybody asked me for the creation of earth. And here was his answer to begin with. He, they, he says, well, the first response was, I don't know. That was his first response. Again, this is a rabbi who, who studies the Torah. But then he began to give a response uh, that was scientific and more re uh, really just, just to entertain their thoughts. And he began to say this, there were subatomic particles and gases and they, and they collided and there was an explosion. But I still don't know which one came first. Which one came first? In the beginning, it was only God. God created. 
Why would God create out of desire? There was a thought that came. He had a desire. In that same way, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. Therefore, if we are made in the image of God, there has to be something within us that has to cause us to desire things. The only problem is that at times what has happened in our lives, we have desired the wrong thing at times instead of the good thing. In Ezekiel, we know about uh, chapter 28, verse 13 through 17. We know about what happened to Satan there where he, said, he, he, uh, he wanted to be like the most high God. And it says here, I'm going to go to verse uh, 13. Thou hast been an Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. He was beautifully made. And I'm going to skip down to workmanship of thy tamperance and of thy pipes was prepared in the day that thou was created. God created the angels that are anointed cherubim that covereth. Imagine that. That covereth. Thou, and then verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. And then it says, till iniquity was found in thee. He praised, he worshiped. This was an angel of God. And then verse 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou was corrupted by wisdom, by reason of thy, I'm sorry, by beauty. Yeah, reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee down to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that thou mayst, may behold thee. Going to jo, I'm sorry, Job, uh, verse 38, 6 through 8. Whereupon are the foundations therefore fastened of, who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang before, and all the songs of God shouted for joy. The sons, I'm sorry, all the sons shouted for joy. Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth, as it had issued out of the womb. What cornerstone is God talking about? He's talking about what holds the earth together. God can pull together, can pull the cornerstone out of what holds the foundations together and make it all crumble before our very own eyes. And we would cease to exist along with this earth. And the verse number eight, he's talking about gravity in a sense, about holding back the waters. We question these things, but we we're not well aware of them. And it's okay because the Bible teaches us all these things. So it happens that when the sun, you know, we're, we're in orbit, keeps us a perfect distance from where we're supposed to be. We don't, we don't fry, nor do we freeze to death. Again, there is a type of, uh, of you know, I don't, I don't want to say pray, but there's a type of work of God for us, a type of love. And I'm going to, I'm trying to come around here where, God desired for humanity to continue to live. Otherwise, all he had to do is push us further away from the sun. You've heard the saying, if there is a will, there's a way. God needs nothing because he lacks nothing. Because he lacks something. And then because if he lacks something, that, that means God needs something. Therefore, God would not be perfect. But God is perfect. Everything he has made came from him. What could, what, could, what could God possibly need from us? He really doesn't need anything from us, as I said earlier. We need him because we lack something. Actually, we lack everything. Salvation is primary overall. He is also our provider, our healer. He is also the cornerstone. He is our glue. The just shall live by faith. Praise the Lord.
Psalm 50, uh, verse 8 through 10. I will not reprove thee for the sacrifice of thy burnt offerings to have continually before me. I will take no bullock out of the house, nor he, he goats out of thy foals, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Whosoever praiseth, praise glorifieth me. I'm sorry, whosoever offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his, com conver his conversation aright, will I show salvation to God. And I'm only bringing the scripture up because it's talking about the very same thing we were just mentioning, that God doesn't need our praises. He doesn't need our sacrifices. And what he wants, and I can skip down real quick to this one. God desires, praise God, went too far. God desires for us, to again, to desire him. He wants us to desire the things that he has made for us and he has created and again, now, even though he has created it for us, it still belongs to him. So, again, and I didn't get a chance to mention when we worship God, we praise him in the firmament of his power. Everything that he has done, everything that he has made, it begins with praise and it should end with praise. In other words, when we're born or when we realize who God is, we enter into praise, we worship God. How we walk gives praise to God. How we speak gives praise to God. The instruments are one thing, but our lives is another. We have to still give praise to God. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. And if we're the light of the world, we must be able to give this light, shine this light. Don't put it under the bushel. Put it on the top when they can see where it shines, at, you know, so that all can see. Psalm 1, I'll go to what, Psalm 1, 4. I'm sorry, 100, verse 4 through 5. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. And again, the, this message was, is, it was really to get us to the point of wanting to desire the things of God. In conclusion, I'm going to read this little short story. It says, a preacher led his congregation in the hymn, When I... When I surveyed the wondrous cross, wondrous cross, the congregation sang together. When I surely, and this is, it's, this is in closing, when surely the wondrous cross, on which the prince of glory died, my riches gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save me in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most. I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did earth such love and sorrow meet, or thorns composed to rich a crown, his dying crimson like a robe spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then am I dead to all the globe, and all the globe is dead to me. Were the, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, I took it for granted. Demands my soul, my life, my all. When the echo of the final words died away, the congregation noticed the preacher struck. struggling 
to keep his composure. Once confident he could speak without breaking into tear courts contortions, he said, the full force of what we just sang has, after all, these years finally reached my heart. And all I know, not whether I shall ever be able to do much else but sing. Where the whole realm of nature mine, that's a present far too small, love so amazing and divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Where the whole realm of nature mine, mine, the whole realm mine, have I been singing this song, the preacher said, all these years, and not dared know what I was singing. Do you know what you're singing? I wonder if we could sing this last verse he said together. And if you, my friends, my and yourself singing words that you do not quite ring true. In other words, if you find yourself, and it doesn't make any sense, if you find that these words are too high and that the state of your soul is still too low to sing them and meant it, would you at least, and did not mean it, he says, would you at least pray with me that one day you will mean it? In other words, and these words, are they're, they're too exalted from where you know your heart to be. Would you at least hope to mean it one day? They prayed an earnest prayer and sang the song again. When they came to the words that were present far too small, the congregation could sing no more. For they saw their minister fall upon his knees, crying out in shouts of praise. They too could no longer stand, for the glory had visited them at that moment. God desires a people who will praise him because they, they have come to know him, because they have they have a thought in their mind of who he is. It's his voice. The Lord said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus Christ, who we know is the good shepherd, he died for us. He raised himself up by his own power, meaning that no one could cause him to die unless he, by his own will, allows it to happen. The Jews cannot even understand this, but we do. We have that blessed understanding. Today we understand it is possible to live for God. This is because Jesus spoke the words. And as Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, they could not understand it, that Jesus was speaking and Scripture was being written. And that moment in time, they didn't understand that. I understand it now. John 20, 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. John 10, 11, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life for they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God moves in spirit. God knows a worshiper. God comes to the broken. God renews and restores. God made you to praise and bring him glory. If you would stand with me today. As in, we close, we're going to go into song. We're going to go into worship. I just want you to, if your eyes are open and you can worship, that's fine. But if you have a difficulty doing that, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, I've been seeking you for a long, I've been seeking, Lord, a long time. There's times when I can't feel your presence, but I know that you're there, mighty God. I know that you're there, Lord. Move within me, Lord Jesus. Make me as you want me to make, to become, Lord. How great, how great you are. Oh, you are great, Jesus. 
right. If you repeat these words after me, I will praise the Lord. God bless you all. We're going to move into the next service. I hope God is, has given you a word from this. I know that I have been moved in the spirit. I know, I know we all have. Let me just say that. The spirit of God is in this place. God bless you all. Moving into prayer. <laughs>